This podcast is recorded in front of an unwitting audience. This is True Crime Kent. Good to hear from you. Uh, uh, wait, what? You want to record an episode? I, I mean, yeah, I guess. But if if you're if you're not feeling well, we can wait until next week or something. Wait? No, no. Look, look, man. I got a fire in my gut over this next topic. It's a little off the beaten path compared to what we usually do, and by that I mean there's no beating in it in any form whatsoever. There's be it masturbation or domestic abuse. We're gonna switch gears for this next one. Are we getting ready to do an episode about your wife's grandmother who tried to rob a gas station without a gun and then left a note that said, give me all the money in the drawer, but signed it with her name at the bottom? Are we doing that one? Story? Well, I was in a good mood. No, we're not, we're not talking about that shit, and my wife is going to be livid that you brought it up. Yeah, Betty... Betty was her name, right? Jesus Christ, Op. I don't want that floating around out there. Doesn't she live down there by the, uh... Stop! Please, for the love of God, stop. No, we're not talking about that. Damn, at least I'm back to my usual mood now. It took 20 fucking seconds. Look, man, our story this week is about a bunch of over 2,000-year-old bodies that pop up. I knew she was old, but dang, you don't have to be mean, man. Didn't they send her to Charter Ridge Mental Health after that fiasco where where she... We're uh, no longer talking about my wife's grandma. Oh, oh, well, I still don't know what we're talking about because you keep getting distracted. So, when you're ready, why don't you go ahead and just spit it out? <sighs> Look up. Just get comfortable, okay? Put on your little archaeology hat. We're going to travel back in time for this one, and then we're going to come right back here and check out the state of these ancient corpses as we have them today. Learn everything we can about them. Who they were, how they died, even their diet. Yeah, uh, cool, but I, I already dismantled the crime machine, though. Uh, I, I know I know you already dismantled the damn crime machine. I was being dramatic, you know? Like trying to make the fact that we're literally just talking into a microphone sound more exciting than it actually is. I was trying to add some levity to... But how are we going to get there? The machine is literally in a hundred different pieces. Uh, bog bodies, up. We're talking about bog bodies. We're doing bog bodies. For the love of God, start the fucking music. Recording has initiated. So, up. I figured it'd be a, a good idea to start this off with... Maybe some personal stories. You got you, you have any good stories involving maybe you've stumbled across a corpse or any any odd corpse experiences? Yeah, you know what? <laughs> now you're talking right up my alley. <laughs> of course I've got some. Uh yeah, okay, one okay. One really memorable one. I was walking down this trail and off to the side I just I noticed a big... Which is how people usually find corpse. <laughs> it's crazy that we're talking about this, because I totally agree with you. If you know what you're looking for, then, yeah, it just kind of pops right out. I'm walking in the trail, and I noticed this giant vein just off the side of the trail. Giant vein. 
Just uh-huh. yeah. and you can always tell a vein because it's a different color than everything else around. You know, it's it's just very contrast sticks out. You know, so I go over there. And I'm like, this is a huge vein, and I'm like, kind of peeking at it, see if I see what's in it, and and I pull out this huge chunk, just huge, and I'm like, wow, and I got a. I'm like, who, I, who can I show this to? And so I had a friend Barry. Barry's back at camp. He burned his coccyx on the, the fire the night before. Uh, it's kind of a different story. But I run back. I'm like, Barry, Barry, check this out. And he's like, man, there's even gold in that quartz. And I was like, oh, my God. I know, right? Uh, corpse. A corpse. A corpse. C-O-R-P-S-E. Not quartz. Not the rock. Corpse. Like a dead... What's left of a human? You had... Like... I was... Imagine a person and then imagine that that person isn't inside their body anymore but elsewhere. A corpse. I was so excited for a second. I... No. There was actual... There was gold in that quartz. I thought we were... Yeah, well... Yeah, but have you ever found a rotten body? Thought we were having a moment, but... um, Yeah, well... No. Okay. Oh, I'm going to have to walk that one off first. Okay, fine. Uh, body, body. Have I ever... Yes, yes, I did find a body, actually, one time. Uh, okay. Well, let, why don't you tell us about that, then? Oh, okay. Um, So, I was at the beach, and I'm walking around swimming and doing all the things you do at the beach and stuff, and then these, these two trucks, they're like fire trucks, come up onto the beach, and they're like, we need your help. Anyone that is willing... We want to form a chain starting on the beach, walking down into the water, and we were all holding elbows or, you know, locking elbows. And so there was like six of us going down as far as we could before, like, our necks, you know, were underwater. And they had us comb the whole waterfront part of the beach, and I— You won. I I stepped on a body. You won. Yeah, I won. I did won. (laughs) Yeah. Here— did they give you a prize or anything? No, I got more prize than I wanted because I'll, not only did I step on the body, but I'm kind of shuffling my feet on the ground. Try, you know, I'd step, pick my foot up and shuffle it forward because I didn't want to, like, accidentally step over a body. That would be wasteful. So I'm, I just I put my right foot forward and my toes slide right into the swim trunks of this guy's body. <laughs> And so my foot is standing on top of his bird's nest. Just. You would find a body by kicking it in the dick. That I, I probably could have guessed that. That's how. So I. How long had he been dead? Uh, not too long, actually. They, they think he had died within an hour of that time. Oh, okay. So yeah. We're not, yeah, if he'd been dead a while, he would be on the top. On the surface. Yes, exactly. And that's, he was quite malleable still, I've got to say. Uh, you know, most of him was really flexible, as per my foot found out. Did you pull him out, or did you just yell for somebody? No, we were just supposed to stand there in place, and I just... So you just stood on his dick. Stood on his <laughs> crotch. Because I didn't want to, I didn't want the body to float away. How old were you? Uh, maybe 24 24. Oh, okay. I thought, I didn't know if this was a, a kid experience that 
No. Well, man, that was rough. <laughs> but, you know, so, uh, for, yes, fortunately, we found him. What had happened was he had jumped off a bridge near there, but the, the water level had dropped so low that he didn't notice the distance had also dropped between the bridge and the water surface. And... Yeah, he hit the water going at about 120 miles an hour. It broke his jaw, uh, killed belly flop. No, no, just feet first, but still broke his jaw as the water came up oh, to yeah. him. Broke his jaw, pressed uh, all the air out of him, and just right to the bottom. And they had drugged the area with some boats right around the bridge, but couldn't find him. And so they right around the corner, or so they were at the beaches, and so my foot found his body. <laughs> I'm looking at you while you're telling the story, and even though we're talking, I can tell that this is bothering you to talk about, and oh. for whatever reason, for whatever reason, this is just to let you know how shitty of a person I am. Watching you squirm is making me giggle. <laughs> you're bringing up a traumatic, a traumatic experience, and it's making me laugh. <laughs> there are... Few people that should understand the the extent of a body at the intimate distance and and, and interaction that I was de- basically you know your mortician who who washes a body should know yep. whether you shave or not down there for example uh, B maybe the family who you know dresses you or something but no man I just there's another level there necrophiliacs well here's another thing is. Consider this. That guy probably died thinking, well, at least me and Brenda got it on, and that was the last experience I ever had. But no, no, no. My foot was the last experience you <laughs> ever had. Was he packing? Uh, it, uh, it was cold water. <laughs> Okay, I'm sorry, y'all. All right. So the fi- so the first body that I found was probably my own. <laughs> it was about nine or ten years oh, old. No, no, no. And I kept finding that body <laughs> for about seven years. <laughs> I made a hell of a discovery. <laughs> what you're saying is both of us at one point both struck gold. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I guarantee the gold I struck was a lot smaller than the one you struck. <laughs> uh, okay. Oh. So there was some corpse experiences from... Ah, I'm not going to go... I'll tell you what. Uh, oh, yeah. I'll bet you got some corpse experiences. You're just not going to share. Uh, I'm going to use... Uh, so we had about... Let's see. It's probably been about four years ago at this point. We had this pit bull named Kano that we loved so much. And Kano was a real behemoth of a dog. Just, I mean, if he was a vehicle, he would be like Marvin Heemeyer's Killdozer, that D fifty five D three fifty five A. Just a uh, solid muscle. We had gotten him as a puppy. We had bottle fed him. He was just a good dog, sweet dog, great with kids. But he was a real bruiser. Whenever he had to go pee, we would just open the door and let him go out. And we never had a problem with neighbors, kids, whatever. Kano was just like uh, the dog that everybody in the neighborhood knew. The sweet pit bull. But he was scary. Yeah. Uh, if, you di- if you didn't know him, he was a very scary dog. But uh, we had this long driveway that went to the house. And whenever I was 
like leaving or pulling up, he would like run up to the vehicle, but he would always stop, you know, like right before he got to the vehicle. So I never like worried about it because like he'd been doing it since he was little. So it wasn't something I thought about. And I'm like pulling in one day, just hauling ass. Kano's doing his thing. And I'm like, hey, buddy. And out the window and he's running alongside. And then I just, I just feel like a, oh no, you hit it. You found a corpse? Oh no. Oh, and I was expecting to like, I like slammed on the brakes, and I was like, "Oh God!" I got, I jumped out of the vehicle, and Kano was kind of sitting, like you know that stoic dog sitting stance where they're just kind of, they're on their front paws, like back legs are tucked, and they're just kind of looking at you. But he wasn't moving; he was just sitting up, and he was looking at me. And I knew he was hurt bad because he always oh. like you know jumped up on me and tried to lick my face and stuff, and he was just yeah. kind of looking at me, and I. So I like ran up, and he just had this look on his face like, fucking Dunzo, bro. That's it. Oh, <laughs> no. Call it a wrap. Call oh. it a wrap. Call it in. Let him know. No. And I was clocking out. Oh. So I was like, oh, shit. Like, maybe I just, like, broke one of his hind legs, or maybe it just hurt. Because the way he was acting, he was, like, so chill. He just kind of looked up at me like, I'm not comfortable. Yeah. But, oh, like, he no. wasn't, like, crying or anything. But one thing that I immediately noticed, which is common in, like, severe internal injuries, was a, a stench. Like, a sm- I could smell it already. I could uh. smell it coming off of him. And it's a very distinct smell. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't even know how to explain it, but I could smell it coming off of him. And I was like, that's not good. So uh, I snatched him up. Told my wife and took him to the vet, and I'm thinking, all right, we're gonna have to pay to have surgery, or whatever. I'll pay whatever. I'll pay whatever to get him fixed. They take him back there. Kano's still like licking my face and everything, like carrying him in. And uh, they're back there for like ten minutes, and then she comes up. She's like, uh, "Do you you want to sit down?" And I was like, "What's up?" She's like, "Well, he has to, like what you've done is you've taken all of his lower extremities." And push them into his chest cavity. Oh, no. She said, even if we do an operation to correct it, he only has, like, a 5% chance of surviving. Like, if that. Like, it's it's highly, highly, highly unlikely that he's going to survive. So, I had to make the shotgun decision right there to uh, have him put down. So, I held his paw and I got to... Do what? You realize what you just said, right? What? You made a shotgun decision. Oh, (laughs) <laughs> I'm sorry. This is an emotional moment. I shouldn't have stopped your story. Well, Please continue. actually, this is going to like really uh, piss a lot of people off, but I was thinking about how much it costs to embalm, to, uh, not embalm. I wasn't going to get him embalmed. Uh, <laughs> to have a, I'm not fucking paying for a dog to be embalmed. I love the dog, but I don't, you yeah. know. <laughs> you don't want to stuff him and have him under I don't even want porch. myself to be embalmed. I was thinking like, I've got a whole bunch of guns at the house. Like, I can yeah. take him home, take him out to the field, tell him to look at the pretty flowers. Yeah. And then just, you know, I, I feel like that's almost more, that's almost less traumatizing. Well, I don't guess at that point anything's traumatizing, right? Traumatizing leaves you open to the idea that there's <laughs> going to be something to think about later. <laughs> right. Yeah. No, I, I don't know the process. Here's what's interesting is we seem to hem and haw all day long about how we kill people, you know, and, oh, there's an in, there's a likelihood that it's painful or this or that. But I think you can just roll down to the local vet or pet smart and have your pet euthanized and we don't question it. So I'm guessing it's either we're either way far advanced on killing animals or we don't 
put as much thought into it, and we just hope they're not hurting when it happens. Yeah. But it still costs a lot, that's that's for sure. I know you know a lot about guns. I've got a Colt Anaconda here. <laughs> that's a it's a forty four Magnum. Yeah. Like yeah. I could I could take him out to the field, you know, set him down there, we could hang out, I could pet his back and then gently put the back that barrel to between the back of his ears there on the back of his head and pull the trigger on that thing and he would never have a scared like confused where yeah. is the strange place that I'm at yeah he wouldn't be laying on the floor of some clinic somewhere and on a blanket with you and yeah you know I've seen a lot of pictures of that and and honestly not just animals but I know I've got relatives that they've that's how they chose to go is they just found a beautiful beautiful place and it was a quick... And then they had somebody that they love shoot them in the back of the head. <laughs> <laughs> well, they, they, because, of, because they're humans... Look at the, the whole... pretty flowers, Grandma. <laughs> Just look at the flowers. <laughs> no. No, because, because humans have opposable thumbs, they were able to do it on their own. But, oh, uh, okay. <laughs> but, yeah, you know, I, A, yeah, I know a lot about guns, and that would definitely do it. B... I I I wonder if that's just you know a bit. I struggle because I I I think there's a lot of people that'd be like I'd love to be if somebody's going to do it. I mean I'm sure there's a lot of people that are like if somebody's got to do it it can't be me. But then there are other people that's like I want that last moment to be, you know, with me. Yeah, I would rather it be me. Yeah, I would rather be be the one to do it. I'm sure the world is divided on that, but but I bottle fed him, so I want to like. Yeah, I bottle fed him, so I want to clock him out. Yeah. No, like. Sure. Wow. So, but what I ended up doing was just, yeah, just go ahead, euthanize him. So I went in there and sat down with him, held his paws and loved on his face. He's a good boy. You're a good, Kano's a good boy. And he was still like, (laughs) like just. Yeah. Still lovable. That's why it was kind of weird, but they put it in in his veins and he just kind of drifted off to sleep and it seemed peaceful enough. But anyways. They're like, please go out there, and and we'll have him ready for you to take home here in a minute. And I was like, all right. And then they called for me, and they had him in this in this garbage bag. They just put him oh, in a garbage bag. Really? This is, now, I don't know if you've ever had to move a body, but Kano probably weighed 75 pounds. Yeah. And trying to get in that garbage bag, trying to get him out. To the car by myself was just like Kano, you son of a bitch. Yeah, it's like a like giant water weenie, one of those toys you can't hold on. Awkward. To. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. So I put him in the passenger seat of the vehicle and took him home. And then I was I, so I had another dilemma. Hey, I had to tell my my daughter who was who was one or two years old, two years old there, then at the time that I had killed her dog. Oh wow! And uh, she was very upset over that, and that was probably the worst part of all this. But also, we were in the middle of moving. Oh, and but we hadn't closed on the house yet, so we were in this weird space where Kano was a family dog. We loved him, like you know, like we didn't want to leave him at that house. We wanted to bury him at the new house. We wanted our new house to be his home. We had one of the reasons we had bought this house is because I had a big fenced-in backyard, so Kano yeah. could run and play, and we didn't have to worry about like. Anything happening to him, somebody stealing him because he was beautiful, too. So I was, like, torn. I was like, well, I don't want to bury him here, but I can't get access to my new backyard yet for for another few days. So I've got to make a decision. I've got to do something. I can't just leave him in the garage and then take a bloated 
75-pound bloated animal and try to – because the hole's got to be twice as big when they're bloated. <laughs> you know what I do have up? What? <laughs> I, I don't know. If I want to know. I have a solution in my I, – I, well, I had. I still got it. I had a solution in my garage called a deep freezer. So I wrapped Kano up in his fa- favorite blanket, and I took all the Tostino's pizza rolls and the and the tombstone pizzas and the chicken breasts and southern cod and whatever, and I just put Kano in the bottom of the deep freeze, and and then put all the food on top of him, which I think he would have liked. He liked all he liked human food. So buried I, in food, yeah, that's the way to go. And you know, here's the thing. Here's the thing, up. Like, oh, man, time passes by and, you know, you move and you just get busy and you just get caught up with life. Moving is stressful. You got to get all the stuff in. You got to get water hooked up. You got to get electric hooked up. You got to get this hooked up. And then there's surprise like, you know, bills and stuff like all these little things that you didn't think about. And time goes by fast, man. Yeah. And we've been at this new house two weeks. Oh, no. I'm like, oh, yeah, Kano's in the freezer. I got to get Kano out of the deep freeze. So I come downstairs in the new house here now, and I, I grab a shovel, and, like, I got all the pizza boxes and everything off of him, and there he was. There's my boy. You're a good boy. Left, stays right where I left you. Oh, jeez. <laughs> always, like I always did. And I couldn't get him. He was, like, frozen to the bottom of the deep freeze. So I spent probably 20 minutes. Because you move, you had to move it, right? So you move it, it def- defrosts a little yeah, bit. Yeah, he frosts. And, you know, he was still warm when I put him in there. So moisture condensation builds up between his body and the bottom of that cold, deep freeze. Like that little boy in that movie, A Christmas Story, where he sticks his tongue to the to the pole. Yeah. You know? Right. <laughs> so I'm like in there. I'm down there prying and pulling and cussing. Fucking Kano. Always some bullshit with you. And I, I can't get him out from the bottom of this. He's just plastered to this deep freeze. And finally, after pushing and prying and everything I can think of, I, he comes off like like Velcro. And then I thought he was hard to carry as a, as 70 pounds, loose, floppy, dead weight. Yeah. I'll tell you what's harder is a dog that is frozen solid that weighs 70 pounds carrying that big brick of fucking popsicle canine. It is just, jeez. And then I had trouble getting him through the door because he was all sprawled out. So like, I was like trying to, and then and then we took him outside and me and my daughter buried him and it was very beautiful. Oh well, I'm glad that it was that ended well. Oh man, that story. Uh, I got a bit of a headache because like my eyes kept wanting to cry during that story. And we have a very nice little setup back here for him now. I just want to say. That we've got a nice little a nice little marker and a nice little place for him, and none of and our new dog Chelsea, mm. she hasn't even tried to dig him up. Well, good. So, props yeah. to her. She's also a pit bull. Okay. Hey, I learned something. What's that? From from an audio book. I I'm just finishing the audio book's called Monster, and it's about this uh, killer. Uh-oh. Uh oh. But. I learned something about burying a body. If you want to avoid uh, dogs, sniffing dogs, you know, the kind that they use for police and stuff. If you want to have dogs or wolves or 
animals avoid detecting the odor, you put rat poison on the top of the body before you bury it, and it'll it'll cloak any organic odors from underneath. I didn't know that. Yeah. I have one more odor thing for you. I'm going to connect some dots for you really quick, and this might blow your mind a little. We Then we can move right on. Okay. Okay, so first question I have to ask, you were in the military, right? Yes. Okay, and we could confidently say that you saw some shit. Yes. Okay. Yes. There is a high likelihood that you were actually experiencing something when you went back to see Kano after after hitting him. There is something called differential odor sensitivity that comes with PTSD. Did you know this? I didn't know. What it is. Which is interesting because I knew what it was immediately. I knew. Okay. Yeah. Uh, that basically your olfactory senses can be triggered from past events when you are put into another traumatic situation. So the odor that you're smelling when you, when you approached Kano may have been Kano or it might have been you based on what you've experienced before. I was completely imagining it. You awesome. might have. I'm just saying, I'm not, you know, I'm not, I'm just saying the mind is a crazy thing, especially one that's been, that, that's gone through trauma. Yeah, so. that's interesting. I hadn't thought about anyway, that. Anyway, thought I'd give you that little nugget. Anyways, moving on. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how we're moving this. We just kind of go lump away from this. Golly. Oof. So bog bodies, Ob. That's bog what we're going to be talking about today. <laughs> not dog bodies. Bog bodies. <laughs> From dog bodies to bog bodies, here we go. So bog bodies are bodies, ancient bodies, usually, that are found in peat. We're going to go into what peat is and and how it's formed and all that stuff. Just We're not going to go into This isn't going to be fucking Bill Nye the Science Guy. But we're going to touch on that, just so people have an understanding of, of what peat is and why it's particularly good at preserving bodies. But let's kick this off with, an, with a fun story. That's not involving us, but an actual uh, crime case, considering this is a crime podcast. Yeah. On May 13th, 1983, uh, a couple of commercial peat cutters named Andy Mould and Stephen Dooley, they were cutting peat. And this is at a time when they're not doing it by hand anymore. But So they got this fancy pants equipment. And there's this conveyor belt that's moving this peat up this conveyor. And they find like a football-sized lump on this conveyor belt. So one of them picks it up, starts cleaning it off, and he realizes it's a... It's a completely intact head. It's got the eyes, every, everything, almost everything. Wow. Jeez. It was uh, exceptionally well-preserved, and, of course, they immediately call the police. The police show up, and they immediately suspect somebody. But before we go into that, let's rewind. Where's the... That's really good. 1959. A man named Peter Rain Bart meets a lady named, a young lady, young, beautiful lady named Malika D. Fernandez. This is at a time in the UK when being gay could get you fired, and it was also a crime. Homosexuality didn't become legal in the UK until 1967. I front load all that to say Peter was gay. Okay. Peter was gay, and he was trying to find a cover-up. Peter Rain Bart meets Malika D. Fernandez in 1959 and proposes to her on the very same day. Now, Peter was a British Airlines executive for a company called BOAC, and uh, they both kind of benefited from this marriage. Malika said yes, and she said yes because it meant she could travel. Uh, Peter was, like I said, an employee of an airline, so she got to travel. He got to have a cover-up. Everybody wins, right? 
She was his beard, basically? Yes. Okay. Exactly. So they get married on March 28th, 1959. And uh, on their honeymoon, unfortunately, Malika fa- finds out that Peter is gay. She, do- she doesn't know. He doesn't tell her his, his motivation for the marriage. But she finds out on their honeymoon that he's gay, and she immediately starts extorting him for money. That's not nice. No, that's not nice at all. Beautiful young lady, but that's that's not very that's not not nice thing to do to your husband. Just saying, hey, give me seven dollars, or I'll tell people you like Packers. Yeah, that's not it's not very ladylike. Something that you should ever say to your husband no. or anybody. Yeah, if your gay friend comes up to you and he's like, I like Packers, you should be like, well, give me nine dollars, and nobody else will know that. Yeah, that's not the way you handle that ever. That's not how you should make money. It's not a good business concept. Exactly. So Exactly. Well, Malika extorts Peter for two years. Well, almost two years. Uh, she gets money whenever she wants from him by using that threat. And uh, a little after two years, Malik, Malika just pops up missing. She's just... Oh, Nope, nope. Everybody stops hearing from her. Huh. Well, <laughs> maybe something happened to her. <laughs> now that we did a rewind there, let's fast forward again. We're in the weird with that. Malika, Peter, Well, we really rewound there. Back to our crime scene where we've just discovered a football that ended up being a, a bone bucket for some. Uh, <laughs> or it ended up being a. It was a head. It ended up being a head. It was a head. Okay. Police don't have a hard time piecing this together. It, it turns out that. You know, the 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 field, the peat bog field that this head had been discovered in was right behind Peter's house at that time in 1960. And Peter had developed somewhat of a reputation since 1961 with the local police. He had been uh, charged on two separate occasions for kidnapping and raping underage boys. Oh. So, yeah, and everybody kind of knew, like, you know, they had an idea, like something happened Ew. to Malika. And she's gone, and Peter has no issue with breaking the law and so police bring him in hey man there's like just so happens to be a woman's head that's in really good shape yeah and yeah. Pete Bog can keep a head for at this point 23 years in the condition that it was in hmm. and Peter's like okay yeah yeah I killed her I killed her in June of 1961 I dismembered her and I threw her in that Pete Bog so because of a Pete Bog a 23-year-old murder was solved, and this peat bog coughed up the head of a of a beautiful young woman and, huh. and solved a murder that was 23 years old. Wow, that's pretty good. Because of how well it preserves these bodies. Yeah, that's good. On December 15th, 1983, Rainbart is sentenced to life in prison, and that's pretty much the end. The end of that. And that's how we're going to crack into peat bodies here. That's, that's, that's how we're going to... Get into this subject. Yeah, that was riveting true crime right there. That yeah, succinct, I guess. True crime. So what is a what is a peat bog up? Do you know what a peat bog is? Well, yes. So it's a layer of compact organic material. Uh, it's mainly comprised of mosses, but it also has you know trees or or if birds die midair, I guess they have heart attacks in the air, right? Sometimes. Happens. Oh, does a bird have a heart attack in the air and just drop out of the sky? Yes. Uh, it's it's similar to a human's myocardial infarction. 
Uh, but when a bird has it happen, it's myoaerial infarction. Is that true? Pretty sure. Okay. Well, so all that's in these peat pe- bogs, think of, think of like a swampy land, but not in the woods. It's more in an open fields, okay. uh, open fields. But it, but it, it's it's at the at the bottom of this water, which usually isn't very isn't very deep, a couple feet maybe. Mm-hmm. It's it's just layers upon layers upon layers of compacted organic material, which is mostly comprised of mosses, leaves, and you know birds that fell out of the sky because they had Mario Kart and Yeah, that thing. Are they by any chance? Are they are they named after Pete Rose? Uh, they are not. They're not named after Pete Rose, Pete Davidson, Peter Pan, Peter Parker, Peter Bilt, Pete from the Little Rascals, who was also a pit bull. I knew. Oh yeah, you're right. Petey. Was it Petey? Petey, yeah. Well, that that answers the question because it's kept me up for nights thinking that maybe it was Pete Rose, but you know he's had his storied past, so it's nice to know. So, so then they were named after Wade Boggs, right? I think there is a connection to Wade Boggs. Okay, with I Pete knew Boggs it. And I Wade knew Boggs. it. I knew it. He he used to love as a child. He would get out in them, just up to his knees. Uh huh. Just up to his knees, and he would yeah. walk around in them, and they would go, "Oh, look, he's out there wading." Wade in the bogs. In the bogs. Wade Boggs. Wade Boggs. And they'd be like, watch what happens when we throw a baseball to him. And the rest is history. Good to know that you did some research before this one up. That's, yep. Yeah, so. Yeah. That's fun. That's genealogically fun. So there's layers upon layers upon layers of compacted organic material made of mainly mosses. And the moss that it's most common here in these peat bogs is Kate moss. Sphagnum. Oh, right. Sphagnum. Now, sphagnum, sphagnum is not a slur against. Uh, 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 overly masculine gay people. Yeah. It sounds like sounds because anytime I hear agnum with anything, I think, oh, this is like a serious. This is like something in leather. A forty-four caliber yeah. male, you know that, that guy there's sphagnum pi. It's like the, the ultimate gay hero. Sounds like something that like a, a an inbred person would call somebody trying to mind their own business that also liked the same sex in the fifties that just walked into a room. Uh, with rip muscles and tattoos. Like, look at that. Wow, look at that sphagnum over there. Hey, <laughs> hey yeah, I can see that. Hey, boys. Did we say you could get out of the bog? Mm. We didn't We didn't even uh, pander before we started that whole tirade. No, I'm, I'm done with the pant. Like, okay. even, yeah, I'm over okay. it. So sphagnum is a plant that is extremely absorbent and makes up most of what is a, a peat bog. It's the majority of it. So you know how a normal plant grows upwards falls over, and then dies relatively quickly, right? And just kind of becomes one with... Well, sphagnum grows in layers and dies, but still kind of because of how sphagnum dies and then stays relatively upright, it leaves one millimeter of year, the compact layer underneath this water grows one millimeter a year. Really? And this is important for one reason, and that's because since it grows one millimeter a year, if you found a body that was say six feet down and you know that the that this grows one millimeter a year then it took 300 years to grow a foot of peat that means that the body was 2,000 years old so six times 300 years yeah does that make sense yeah so understanding how quick this stuff grows also helps in in dating these bodies when they're discovered so it's like tree rings in a way a bit like tree rings it is and it's also very helpful the way that they're discovered because peat farmers, especially back in the 50s, 60s, 70s, uh, the way that they would farm this stuff was by hand, by shovel. 
and by hand. But the way they would do it is they would face off a good section. They would drain this peat bog of water, or a lot of times they would find one that had already drained. It was just kind of wet. They would face off down about five to six feet, and then they would work from down on the hole out. Oh, I see. So they would kind of section it like a block. Like Dig Dug. Yes. Yes. Okay. I like Minecraft. Yeah, like Minecraft. Yeah, chucka, 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 chucka. Now, what the fuck do they want with this peat? That's probably a good question. They, they take it out in bricks, and it, and especially the up until, you know, around the, the 90s, actually, in more rural areas and many other countries, many countries have peat bogs. It was used as a form of fire. It burned really well like coal, almost. Yeah, like wood or coal, okay. Yeah. They would take this stuff out, pile it up, let it dry out, and they had these little bricks of looked like little square turds, little Minecraft turds, mm. and then they were just great for, for burning yeah. as a fuel source. Really compact, decomposed organic matter. Yeah, that would, la- that would burn, and then it would last a while, probably. That is thousands and thousands of years old. Yeah, which actually so is coal. So Yeah, this is just really like halfway to coal. Yeah, that's what it is. Okay. But because of the way that they they retrieve it, when they discover a corpse, it's not from the top down, but it's usually a good cutaway section from the side. Does that make uh, sense? Yeah, so you're kind of walking into the body as opposed to digging down to it. Okay. Weird. So it makes measuring the depth extremely easy. Uh Extremely easy. Now, now that we got that out of the way, why would a peat bog preserve a corpse so magnificently for so long. Some of these cases, thousands and thousands of years. Yeah. Peat bogs are extremely acidic and very low in oxygen at the very bottom. And that locks in all the carbon on any organic material that may end up in the bottom of the bog and almost completely halts any type of decomposition. Uh, The bottom of a peat bog is also anaerobic, which means there's zero oxygen, no oxygen at all. So essentially, whatever gets stuck in that peat underneath that water, that very thin layer of water, is going to be there until the saints come marching home. And I don't know what that saying means. I don't know why the saints are marching or why they're in a bog, going home, or even where they live. Yeah, but but they're coming. It's there forever. So so that's a couple things then, right? So the lack of oxygen would inhibit decay or or the breaking down of carbon. Yes. And also because of the lack of oxygen that would also inhibit life down there like uh, any any microorganisms or things that would eat away at the microstructures of organic material. There's some seas around the world where they can find perfectly preserved ships that are at the bottom because the sea is anaerobic in nature as far as it, it's devoid of, of oxygen. So, yeah, it's that's cool. It's really cool. Learn something new. It's almost like throwing, taking a body and just throwing it in the big Ziploc bag. Yeah, and then and, sucking all the air out of it. Yeah. yeah. Now, another use that people use for peat, just throw this out there, today, a, new, a more modern use for peat, because peat is still being gathered today, but now it's done with machinery, which we'll find out in a little bit. You have probably purchased peat. I have purchased peat, and mm. most of our listeners have purchased peat at one point. And if you've ever pot any kind of potting soil or anything to plant plants in, that's usually comprised of peat. Peat is excellent. It's full of minerals for plants. Plants love it. Mm. That's what peat is mainly used for today. Packing peat around your peonies, right? If I'm right. 
Now, due to the acidity of peat, if a body is dropped down in deep into the peat, bones typically dissolve. Not always, but they do typically dissolve. And then the outer layer, the, the skin, the organs, the hair, the nails, almost everything is perfectly preserved, almost. And it's pretty incredible. It's pretty incredible. Have you, uh, I know you've probably got to look at some of these bog bodies that we're getting ready to talk about. They, they look like, the best way to describe them is like some of the best, God, the best beef jerky you've ever had in your life. Yes. That's what they look like. I was going to say, they, they look like beef jerky people or what I assume the Marlboro man looks like after he's disinterred from his grave <laughs> after all the years of smoking in the country on a horse. But the the details in the faces is and even fingerprints is astounding. It's absolutely astounding. It's, mm. it's, it's amazing. It's amazing. Now, the oldest bog body that we have ever found to date is uh, known as the Kolgeberg Man from Denmark. And he was dated to 8,000 B.C., before Christ. That's what that stands for. Or before Common Era is the other for atheists, Satanists. Mm-hmm. Before mm-hmm. Common Era. That puts him at 10,000 years old and slaps him around the Mesolithic period. Wow. So we have gotten a body out of the peat that was 10,000 years old, which is incredible. I was just going to say really quick that I have a hot coin fact for you. Oh, give it, drop it all over my face, up. All right. So your guy completely smokes this guy here. But um, there was a man that they call the Gunnister Man. That was found in the peat bog in Scotland. And in his pocket, there were three silver coins in a little knitted purse. And all the coins, obviously, were preserved as well. And they were all from, like, 1690, 1681, and, like, 1683. And so they could literally date the man, not only just because of the peat bog where they found him, but because of the coins in his pocket. I mean, honestly, out of all the the penny facts and coin facts that you provided in the and in the history of this show, that was the most relevant. Well, thank you. So I, I will I will give you that. You'll recognize I'll give that. You that. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. We're going to be covering five bodies in particular, five that I found extremely interesting. That in mind, there are hundreds of these. We, we have, we've got so many peat bog bodies. It's like, man, can we just stop finding these bodies? There's just like bodies, bodies, bodies. Interesting fact, not fact, theory from one scientist speculates that Perhaps there's this many bodies everywhere around us at all times, but because Pete is so extraordinary at preserving remains, we just, they're just long gone, you know? So maybe right underneath your feet, five feet down, at one point was the the body of a man from the Mesolithic period, but it has long since deteriorated and nothing is left. It's all come, yeah. turned to dust. I, I wonder, because, you know, we have fossils from... A long time ago, but really the only things that seem to survive the test of time or weather that weather time that are human or or you know like mammoth are are things that are stuck in some preserva- state of preservation because they they haven't been dead long enough to fossilize or anything like that. So yeah, you'd only come across them if they somehow got ziplocked in the earth. Now the the oldest living body is Larry King. Yes. And that's fun. (laughs) (laughs) He's amazing. Now, another fun thought is the idea that you might be within, you know, 15 to 20 feet of where a corpse once was, but has since completely dissolved, essentially. 
uh, is to think like of all the people that have ever lived. How, how many people have lived in the history of ex- of human existence? Up, I think we're up north of five hundred or more. I th- At least five hundred. North of that, I'm going to look that up real quick. Let's see, right here in real time, folks. I'll do it too. Have there been okay. more than five hundred people on? No, how would that be? That would be total number of people over five hundred. Is is dear Google? Is it possible that there have been? I'm com- I'm not coming up with much. So I've got it. Okay, good. So in all of human existence, 107 billion people have lived and died on this earth. Wow. 107 billion. I was a bit off, So, uh, statistically speaking. 107 billion people have lived. Of course, you would have had a corpse within 5 to 10 feet of you at any given time at any point. That makes sense to me, right? Just by numbers. Yeah, Just by sure. numbers. There's bodies everywhere. So I just thought that was a fun thought. And the reason that they're they're so common in peat bogs to be found is because they're the only, they've survived as long as they have, and and by common I mean they were digging these things up left and right in peat bogs, all over the world for a long time, uh, all the way for the, through the late to eighteen hundreds, to in the early nineteen hundreds, all the way up until as recently as two thousand and two. The first one that we're going to go into, do a little dive into here, is is they've they've given her the name. Eid girl. Now she was found May twelfth, not eighteen ninety seven. May twelfth, eighteen ninety seven, and they suspect she was about sixteen years old when she's died. Uh, carbon carbon fourteen tests indicate that she uh, lived some point between one seventy BC and two thirty AD, which puts her at around two thousand years old. And she was found in the Stigfin. Now she was found in the Stigfin peat bog near the village of Eid Drenth in the Netherlands. So that's that's a good time. That's a lot of words without a lot of vowels. Yes, that's yes. impressive. Now she was found by two peat cutters, and they uh, <laughs> they initially thought she was the devil, and they just ran off because she had this bright bright red hair, and her face is fucking busted, dude. Are those peat cutters? Are they related to Lorena Bobbitt? Oh, uh, oh, because they just ran off. No, because they're peat cutters. Oh, they're. And if you look at this young lady's face, Eid girl, it, it. What peat tends to do over thousands of years is, as it compacts is the weight kind of shifts the skeletal structure. And, and that's why you get this kind of flattening of the face a little bit. Yeah. Uh, and I can imagine. You're just cutting away at Pete there, and a piece of the wall falls down, and this fucking thing is looking out the side at you with its red hair and its snaggletooth. Uh, it would be horrifying. Yeah. It would be absolutely horrifying. Are you looking at it right now, Op? Yeah. Yeah, it seems uh, – the uh, best way to describe it is like the earth acts like that one ant that we all have that just will not stop squishing your face when she's around. <laughs> so for like 2,000 years, the earth was like, oh, you're girl. come here, love your red hair. Red hair, boo-boo-doo-doo. Like that. I think she kind of looks like that, the antagonist from that movie, Pumpkinhead. I was, yes, yes. that movie, Pumpkinhead? She's good. Yeah, uh, pump- she looks like yeah. the she looks like Pumpkinhead. Yeah, that is some red hair though, man. Wow. 
Well, there's a reason for that. Now, no matter the color of the hair at the time, over over a long enough time, the peat will dye the hair red. Give it an orange or red tint. Yes. Weird. Um, We're going to talk about a young man later that had very, very dark black hair, they believe, and the peat bog has has dyed it this orange or red color. So... You might go into the into the bog a brunette, but you're you're coming out of ginger. Yeah, unless they get you like kind of midway, and then you've kind of got like yeah. a brunette ginger ombre kind of you know effect. Now, like I said, these two peat cutters they found her. Uh, uh, eventually, the authorities were called, and the authorities went out there, and they discovered that this this was actually a peat body, a peat bog body. Bog body, and uh, they just kind of drug it. They just brought it into town, and it stayed there for around about two days before anybody with any higher level of intelligence on this kind of stuff got into town. And by the time they got there, villagers had already like stolen most of her teeth and her hair. Now I don't know what you're gonna do with the teeth of a two thousand year old sixteen year sixteen year old girl. Yeah, that's a fetish. That's weird fetish right there. I would probably buy those on eBay if I came across them, to be honest, just because now that I'm thinking about it, that'd kind of be cool to have. Yeah. Whose teeth are those around your neck? Oh, 16-year-old girl redhead that I knew, that I got. Well, I know you're looking at pictures of her, and it looks like her grill's busted, but uh, she had teeth originally, so don't hold that against her. She had teeth, and they, 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 they stole them out of her mouth. That's terrible. She had been buried in a large wool cloak. She had, like we said... Long, really pretty, long, uh, reddish blonde hair, but one shot had been one side had been what they initially speculated was shaven. Oh, but now what they believe is uh, when she had been thrown in the into the bog in you know 170 BC, uh, one side of her head had been out of the water for a period of time. Okay, causing that side to decompose, losing the hair. That's what they think maybe happened now. Yeah. That makes sense. Cat scans revealed that she had scoliosis and probably had an irregular gait. Now, another thing that is pretty common with bog bodies is that they have uh, physical deformities oftentimes. And uh, people will say, well, maybe that's because they were scared. I even listened to another podcast about bog bodies where they speculated it was probably because they were afraid of them. That's not the case. It's actually the opposite. In many uh, old cultures, especially cultures this old, physical deformities were considered a gift and they felt like they were closer to God. And that's why they were chosen for sacrifices. Oh, wow. Kind of a two-edged sword there <laughs> for them. Yes. Now, uh, whenever they did their science shit, they they <laughs> that's the best way I'm going to – that's how I'm going to explain it. <laughs> okay. They, they do their science shit. Very high tech. They determined she had been around 4.6 feet tall or the uh, height of an average Tom Cruise. Okay. If you look, she also has a uh, mega forehead. Like, that forehead is like, wow, that's a lot of forehead. I wasn't going to say anything. I was going to wait to see if you had something to say about it because, yeah, she's got, she's got like, if badonkadonks could be foreheads, that's what she's got there. Yeah. yeah. And we're looking at the facial reconstruction, which you can mm-hmm. go on Google right now and type in Y-D-E, girl. You can look at the facial reconstruction. If I was walking down the street and this little girl – popped out from around a corner with her scoliosis and that big-ass forehead in my face, I think my gut reaction would be to, like, I don't know, maybe punch her. If she's alive and she's, like, near the ice cream counter staring at me, I'm freaking out. Also, if I found her in a peat bog, I'd probably just leave her there. <laughs> I, feel like- I think I would be scared, more scared. It would be scarier coming across her in her physical form just popping out at you. 
than yeah. the body that they found. And when I said I would punch her, I don't mean I would punch her because, oh, look, it's somebody with scoliosis. I really enjoy hitting people's. I meant like, <laughs> ah, like, why is that forehead so big? Yeah. I should hit this because I'm scared. What's kind of weird is, like, you look at all – she actually, in my opinion, she looks better as the the beef jerky version of her than the recreation. Yes. Like, I wonder if that guy still has a job, the guy that did the recreation for that, or if he works for, like, some <laughs> special effects house out of, like, L.A. now making scary <laughs> horror because that's just – it doesn't seem accurate. But if you're listening to the show, good good try, guy or girl. You lost your job, though. Well, here's what's messed up is because a lot of the soft tissue is is like kind of deflated. I read that that the the reconstruction artist had to like guess on some of the more softer facial features, like the nose shape and mm. the lips. And it's yeah. like that's what you you knew she had a huge forehead, and then you went with those lips and that nose. Like yeah. you didn't do her any favors whatsoever. Not none. Yeah, and the expression on the you know what that expression is? That is the expression of. Mom, I really need to go to the bathroom. Can you pull up? Mom, can you, we're going to be home in yeah. a minute. Darla, we'll be home in a minute. And you know what that expression <laughs> on her face is? It's too late. It's too late. It's it's too late. Oh, Shane. Darla, you better not have shat on the back seat. <laughs> Mom, I told you I had to go. Uh, just hurry, please. That is a look of I just shit my pants. Yeah. You're 100% right. I can say shat because it's the past tense. So it's like swearing in the in the, in the the past. So I'm I'm good. To say shat. <laughs> now, it has been determined, they determined that she had been strangled by a woolen waistband that had been slipknotted and wrapped around her neck three times. Kinky. Uh, well, that was pretty, that, that was easy enough because the rope remains around her neck. It's still there. To this day, if you go and see uh, Eid Girl, it's still there. Uh, she was also stabbed with a knife near her left clavicle. The stab, wound, the stab wound on the collarbone wasn't the cause of death, though. And she likely died while unconscious because there were no defensive wounds. Now, often when somebody goes to get it to receive themselves a stabbing, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> they they decide they don't want it. Yeah. And they're like, they're like, no. They put their hand up get or out, something. Get that, get that get, knife out of here. Get. They try to white fang the knife. Get. Get on out of here. Get. Don't hit get me on. with that knife, Gary. Get. And, and they try to swat it. So right. Okay. But there were no defensive wounds on on our young Eid girl, mm. meaning that she was uh, likely sacrificed or executed. So she's passed out, and the person that stabs her still does a terrible job of stabbing her. Is what you're saying? Yes. Yeah. She wasn't even moving, and they stabbed her right in the clavicle. That's... They're like, I knew we shouldn't have fucking got Lonnie. I knew we was gonna do that. Lonnie's got weak sauce when it comes to murder. His skills are brown. They're like, Lonnie, go for the neck, go for the neck. And he's just like, Lonnie. That's all he can say. Lonnie. <laughs> he can only say his own name. <laughs> Lonnie. Next up in the peat bog, his name was Lonnie Man. Um, <laughs> really? I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> what a coincidence. Holland Man. Tolland Man. Okay. That's up next. That's our next contestant on You're Really Fucking Dead. <laughs> um, <laughs> I took a drink right there and I inhaled it. <laughs> I didn't know we were on a game show. <laughs> now, the Tallinn man, uh, he was found May 6th, 1950 by two brothers, Vigo and Emil Hogard. And they discovered it while they were, you guessed it, cutting Pete. 
Uh, that's how all these. I'm going to go ahead and, and put it out there. That's how all these bodies were found. They're cutting Pete. Okay. These people fucking love Pete, man. Like it's like they live for it. Uh, initially, when they came across Tallin Man, they thought he was a recent murder victim, and this body is unbelievably well preserved. And I'm sure you're looking at pictures of him right now. Up. Yes, that's amazing. It's it's incredible. That's and if crazy. you've never seen the Tallin Man, I, I I recommend you go to Google right now. Type it in. It's T O L L U N D. Holland Man. And it's just, it's absolutely unbelievable. That is amazing. They determined that he was about 40 years old when he died, and carbon dating put him around 280 BC, which puts the corpse at 2,280 years old, and he would have went down around the early Iron Age. Pretty, pretty crazy. He was found in the Jutland Peninsula in Denmark, relatively near the body known as Elling Woman. So that's fun. That's a good that time. That is fun. That is good. Yeah, he is amazingly preserved. I mean, beautiful skin and uh, the recreation. Uh, he kind of, he, they made him kind of look a little bit like Kristoff from Frozen, but other than that. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> he kind of looks to me like that guy from the bad guy from uh, from Dumb and, Dumb and Dumber. The guy oh. that's like, pills, give me my pills. Yes. But, but with a stupid hat on. They found Holland Man buried six foot seven inches of p- deep in peat, uh, which almost lines up with what we were saying earlier about millimeter every year. You do the math, measure it, so that matches almost up, almost exactly up with both depth and then the carbon dating on the body itself. If you look at the Holland Man, if you're if you're looking at pictures of him now, you can see that he has a very peaceful, sleeping facial expression. Uh, the the lips are pursed. The the eyes are very delicately shut almost in a relaxed position he he looks like he's asleep 2280 yeah. years later he looks like he's asleep that is so lifelike he lost no expression whatsoever in 2000 no. years there's literally facial hair up wow. there's facial hair oh yeah you can see his there's, stubble yes there's eyelashes there's eyebrows there's there's pores you can see skin pores I wasn't going to say, into, yeah, his pores are a little big, so could have done a little better. You could take that. this nose, uh, honest to God, you could you could take this nose and straighten it up a little bit because the peak kind of pushed the nose in. But if you straighten the nose out, you could paint that a flesh color, and you would think that it was a living, sleeping man. Yes, I'd agree with that. Minus the rope around his neck, that part. He is sleeping peacefully. It is worth worth noting that this is the only corpse that looks very peaceful in, it, in its death. The rest of them are all giving O faces, almost like oh, or like they all look like the 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 UD girl just popped around on them while she was yeah. living. <laughs> oh, oh, for it! Oh, jeez! The fuck out of my face! What is that? They've all got kind of that look like I can't breathe dirt. So common on buried people. Whereas Tallin Man is is a real class he act. Is. He's Call just like, I'm going to take it like a man, go to sleep. Now, he wore a pointed skin cap of sheepskin and wool fastened under his chin by a hide thong and a smooth hide belt was around his waist. Additionally, a noose made of a plated animal hide was drawn tight around his neck and trailed down his back. And just as cool, almost equally as cool as how well preserved this body is, the it's just as cool that the rope is is... Just as well preserved. Somebody knotted that together and made that rope two thousand two hundred eighty years ago. It's like going back in time almost. And the hat is that's the original hat. That's that's not a recreation. That's all original. Do you know what another? You said plated uh, 
plated animal hide, right? Yes. Do you know what another word for plated is? What? Braided. Isn't that amazing? Is it? Yeah. Like uh, you hear, like there's, I think there's a Christmas song that talk, maybe not a Christmas song. I think there's like a hymn that talks about Jesus and like a plated thorns. Uh, yeah, it's woven uh, or it's wound together, braided. Yeah, so it's just so, a woven animal hide. Yeah, braided, braided rope basically. Is so that rope, is, yeah. and you can't really tell. It just looks like a regular lo- rope from here. But so that's an animal hide rope. Wow, that's woven there. That's probably why it survived. Other than the other than this stuff, uh, the body was was completely naked. If I swear to God, if somebody buried me completely naked, wearing only a pointed sheepskin cap, I'm fucking coming back after I die and haunting everybody in that village relentlessly until they kill themselves. Yeah. If you bury me in that stupid looking hat and just my wiener out, I'm coming back just um, like that. I'm not. I'm not I'm gonna putting be any livid. more clothes on. Yeah, it, it's just naked me in a dunce cap, haunting your butt. For the rest Madder of than life. hell. Uh, as I said, he has the most well-preserved bog body of all of them to date. Uh, only his arms and hands were like those of the skeleton, of a, of a skeleton. Uh, and you can look at his feet, pictures of his feet. The feet are in, in unbelievably well-preserved. Um, he, 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 they, they determined he was five foot three inches tall. And scientists say that he was probably bigger, but it's likely the body shrunk in the bog. You know, that old excuse. Yeah. Oh, it's just shrinkage. Just shrinkage from the bog. It's, just, it's probably cold. It's usually bigger. His hair was cropped so short that it was almost entirely hidden by his cap. There was short stubble, and uh, it was one millimeter in length on his chin and upper lip, suggesting that he had not shaved on the day of his death. And you can see that stubble. You can look at him and see the stubble. It's it literally just, it's just stubble, yeah. like you would see on a living man. And it's dyed red, just like you said. The, uh, the hair gets dyed red. It's crazy. The genitals were very well preserved. Good. Uh, so now you know that. Yeah. Both feet and the right thumb, being well conserved by the peat, were also preserved in formaldehyde for later examination. And in 1976, the Danish police made a fingerprint analysis, making Tallinn Man's thumbprint one of the oldest prints on record. Now they did search. They did throw him into a database because there was some unsolved B and E's breaking and breaking and enterings from two eighty BC that they yep. were trying to figure out. Yeah, uh, and, and Tallman came back clean. He wasn't he wasn't on the on the suspect list. So it's good yeah. that they threw him up there. And uh, it's good that we can rest rest easy. Well, I guess we can't because the person's still out there. Ugh. Lock your doors, people. We may never get justice. May never. Uh, Isotope analysis of hair samples revealed he lived in Denmark for at least the final years of his life, and x-rays showed that the man's head was undamaged as well as his heart, lungs, and liver. So that's cool. They were able to do an autopsy of this body. It still had the internal organs. Unbel- how I can't stop saying how cool this is. Yeah, it's amazing. They were able to do an autopsy on a 2,280-year-old body like it had died yesterday. And and look at the the remains in the stomach at what he had eaten for his last meal. This man died before Jesus was even born. Yeah, that's how old he is. Do you know what he ate? We're going into that right okay. now. His last meal was was a porridge or gruel, which was common uh, meal in in this time period of barley, rye, and oat, flax, not grass, and over forty other grains and seeds, both cultivated and wild. Sounds a little excessive, brand heavy, you know. Yeah, 
I bet they shit like a race just all the time. Just it, I'm guessing he'd probably eaten too much fruit a couple days before and had to kind of push it through. I'll just throw 60 different types of grains on, on my stomach here and get this fruit out. That seems like a lot of grains for anyone. Maybe he was. He just told the town, he's like, I'll bet you I could eat all 60 of these grains. And they're like, don't do it. That's a bad idea. And he did it, and he won the bet, but the guy that was supposed to pay him was like, I'm not paying you anything. You cheated. And then that's how he died. He didn't even win the bet. He was like, you think I can do it? And they're like, why? And he's like, I'll do it. <laughs> I'll do it. Why, though? Hey, take the dunce cap off, Bill. Uh, you look stupid. Oh, Lonnie. Lonnie. <laughs> Lonnie. From the stage of digestion, it was concluded that the man had eaten 12 to 24 hours prior to his death. So that's cool. And because neither meat nor fresh food were found in his last meal, it is, it is assumed that the meal was eaten in winter or early spring. And they, they assume that because obviously, you know, vegetables, fresh, fresh fruit, uh, meat, that those aren't available in, in the colder months. Cause of death was hanging. He had he had died by hanging, uh, but the death was caused the death was caused by suffocation and not the combination of suffocation and broken neck, which is typical with a lot of hangings. Mm. He had been hanged, but what had ended up taking his life was he suffocated from the noose. the the no, The rope left visible furrows in the skin beneath his chin and at the sides of his neck. I guess this is hard to say, but well, first off, there was no mark, however, at the back of the neck where the knot would have been. You know. Uh-huh. Uh huh. And and the best way to look at a, a really modern, up close, detailed example of of this this rope, this this furrowing that is talking about the rope leaving, is if you Google, look. I loved Robin Williams. Yeah, okay? we all yeah. loved Robin Williams. I loved everything Robin Williams ever did. I was heartbroken when he killed himself. But there is a picture of Robin Williams' body in the morgue. From the side where you can see a, a it's a clear shot of his neck. That's a that's the most perfect picture that I can think of to look at to see what they're talking about here, the the neck furrowing. Okay. Uh yep. Okay. I see it. Man, that's not hard to find. Uh, wow. That was easy. That was too easy. <laughs> Creepy. Uh he was believed to be not Robin Williams, he wasn't a sacrifice. Uh Gro- <laughs> Tallin Man. Back to Tallin Man. Uh, Talaman was believed to be a sacrifice because a lot of care was taken afterwards to arrange his body in that uh, fetal position. The, the eyes were closed. The mouth was closed. You could tell he hadn't just been, you know, schwacked and thrown into the bog to, to land, however. He had been neatly and delicately and, delicately and, and like, with care placed in that bog. Huh. Um, it's also, they also believe he was a sacrifice because during that time period, everybody who died in Denmark was cremated. Everybody was cremated. Oh, I didn't know that. Um, and, and one sad part of this, aside from the fact that it's a corpse, is the head is the only remaining thing today that is original. Um, they tried different preser- preservation techniques, and unfortunately what they tried to do with the body didn't work. So what you see there is a casting of the original body that was found. So that's exactly what it looked like, same color and everything, but it is a casting. The head, however, is legitimately Tallinn Man's head, the actual head that they pulled out of the bog all those years ago. So I was going to say, because there's one picture where it's just his head, and I was looking at him like, how, yes. how'd they get his shoulder out of the way to get that picture? Okay, so the head, okay, all right. When you first said that that was the only thing that was original, I thought maybe he had a lot of work done, but uh, okay, makes sense. Beautiful. Next up, next up, we're going to Grabalman. 
Grabal man. Now, this, this young man was found in 1952 on April 26th. He was, they have determined he was about 30 years old. And carbon dating on his liver showed that he had lived sometime between 200 and 300 B.C., putting the corpse at over 2,200 years old, which is pretty cool. Uh, he was found in a peat bog in the village of Grabal, Jutland, Denmark. We don't have a whole lot of information on Grabal Man, but it is one of the cooler corpses to look at uh, outside of Tallinn Man. Um, there's very, very clear pictures of his wounds there. It's obvious what killed him if you if you look there. But uh, we will say that he originally had very dark hair. His hair, however, much like much like uh, Yuid Girl, is is has turned a strawberry blonde, almost red tint, almost red color. But it, it had originally been very dark. He was discovered entirely naked, so he was much more of a of a party boy than Tallinn Man was, who was wearing a hat. This is a real wild boy. Yeah. Um, he was Crazy. five feet nine inches tall. His hands were discovered to be smooth with no signs of labor. Uh, so this is a real soy boy. If this guy was alive and today, he'd probably know all the all the item menus at Starbucks and and Panera Bread. He'd probably know which neon no show socks to wear with the deck shoes. St- Sperry's? Sperry's. Yeah, probably right before Grobald Man died. He, I'm sure he said something like, "Uh, can shorts be too short? I don't think so. Do I really want to wear this for two thousand two hundred and forty years?" You went with the Gucci? Oh, man, that's a poor choice. I wouldn't have gone with that. Totally unnatural fibers. Bummer. Would we get a latte after this? Sacrifice? <sighs> after the uh, sacrifice. <laughs> want to go get some kale after the sacrifice? Oh, I'd like to, but my uh, just had 60 grains. I'm, I'm good. It's really going to hold water weight, bro. I've noticed these Sperry's really preserve my feet during the day. So we've established Grabao Man was a... Was a soy boy bitch. He had, <laughs> he, had, he had smooth hands. He he wasn't a hard worker. Uh, his last meal was porridge made from corn, seeds, and 60 different herbs. And he had also uh, digested a poisonous fungus called ergot that, that tends to grow on grains. And, and a side effect of this ergot, uh, one of the side effects, there's many side effects. Uh, if you digest enough of it, it can cause death. They have determined that's not what killed him, but... Uh, he did digest enough that could it could possibly cause hallucinations, and and some scientists have speculated that the reason he was killed is because people thought he were possess- he was possessed, oh. because he had he had digested this this fungus that can cause this poisonous fungus. So that's interesting, but but there's not many people in that field of thought. They, some people don't even believe he digested enough to cause them. The thing that I'm finding that maybe a bit excessive here is both of these guys' stomachs contained. Combinations of 60 plus grains or herbs. I'm trying to yeah. figure that. Like, what mom is like there and she's like, hey, a soy boy, come here for a second. I try this. He's like, oh, again? Okay. Uh, it's not bad. I mean, you, could you add something else to it? It's just a little bland. You think you could add 21 more things to it? There's 44 herbs in this, soy boy. Uh, I know, just like a couple more. Like, you, I don't know, could you hit 60? <laughs> Yeah, I guess. Okay. It seems excessive. <laughs> have you ever had to look up a, a recipe and it's always, you have to read through four fucking pages of <laughs> bullshit about their childhood. And yeah. I remember the smell of honeysuckle upon the, the fields as I, as I galloped through mother's <laughs> cornfields. Oh, it brought me back. Like, lady, is this a, 
I just want the recipe. The story behind each one of these herbs is a great, great history. Let me start with herb number one. Imagine trying to get a recipe and you read through all that and then you get and you see that there's <laughs> 60 different ingredients that you have to collect. Step one, go on a journey. Go throughout the land. The teeth and jaws showed that, that Grobel man had experienced periods of starvation and malnutrition as a small child, which is sad. Hold on. So the, the recipes at the beginning, it's always like, you know, today you're going to be making this. Time to prepare. Six and a half months. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Because you're going to have to go on a trip to get everything. you got to let the fungus build. <laughs> I'm at 58. The, I'll give it another month. You'll get the other two. We keep calling this poor man a soy boy, by the way. And he had a horrible childhood, it seems like. <laughs> uh, his skeleton showed signs skeleton showed signs of significant calcium deficiency, and his spine also suffered the early stages of spondylosis, which is a generalized disease of aging that is secondary to the de- degeneration of invertebral discs. So he had back problems, too. He's probably royalty or some kind of a leader or, you know, comes from a f- wealthy family. And most of the time, you know, wealthy families inbreed. So I wonder if maybe that's part of his issues. That's a good point. It's a very good point, mm-hmm. yeah. And the manner of death here is clear if you look at the pictures. His throat was slit from ear to ear. Yeah. Just. Wow. Like, the wound is pretty brutal. Even now, looking at it, two thousand over 2,000 years later, the wound looks pretty nasty. He was believed to have been sacrificed to the fertility goddess after a particularly bad harvest. <laughs> yeah. You know why there was a bad harvest? Because he ate all 60 of the grains they all had. Of, all of them. All of them. He ate them all. They're like, okay, the shit we that had rot on it. <laughs> There's mold on that, man. <laughs> If you look at the facial reconstruction of him, he looks like Severus Snape from Harry Potter. <laughs> <I was gonna laughs> Professor say, Snape. It's not the picture I picture as I look at his head there. By the way, his head is not uh, swiveled properly. I have. It took me a long period of time to determine how that body was laying exactly because it's very confusing. Yeah, his body seems to be kind of supine, but his head seems more like barn owl. Yeah, he's he's laying and to describe to listeners who can't look at this, his his nipples are touching the ground, so his his chest down, but his legs are almost facing up. Like mm-hmm. they're pivoted at the at the hip and then the head is facing opposite of the legs. So it's almost like a giant reached down and twisted him at the head yeah. and just dropped it. They've got him laying the way that he was found so that it re- so that the corpse mm. maintains its shape. But yeah. he's also laying at a very bent back, like the back is bent. Like that would be very uncomfortable if you were alive and laying like that. The best way to, f- to obtain that posture, I believe, is picture going to the gas station and getting some beef jerky and dropping it on the ground. That's the... Uh, that's the posture you're looking for. Now, number four, Lindo Man, another very, very, very famous bog body who was discovered on August 1st, 1984 by, by who? Who do you think discovered this? Uh, Bill Gates, probably, I'm guessing, because of the name. Bill Gates, he was, he was, who was started out before he was in Microsoft, was a peat cutter, a commercial peat cutter. Yep, yeah. and that's, that's how we got right. the name Lindos for the operating system, I'm guessing, probably from this guy. By a Pete Cutter, I don't know if it was Bill Gates, but uh, it was determined that Lindo Man was about 25 years old at his time of death, and radiocarbon dating took him down, took him back to 2 BC, between 2 BC and 119 AD. 
So he was either in the Iron Age or the Romano-British period, and the body is uh, around 2,000 years old. He was found in Lindo Moss in Wilmslow, Cheshire, in northwest England. Man. He was found face down, and the uh, body was believed to have been cut in half by a digging machine around six months prior. So, Oh, wow. They ever find his legs? No, they did not. Mm. They believe that they were chopped up on, in, oh. the, in the peat-cutting machine. Uh, all that's all that's left now is what you see there of the of the arms, and uh, and the head and the torso. Yeah, um, that's that's not a good look. Now they were able still with what they have left here. They were able to determine how tall he was. They said he stood between five six and five eight and weighed around one hundred and thirty two pounds. Huh. His uh, hair and mustache was neatly trimmed. His hands were unscarred and well cared cared for, and his nails were manicured. Uh, so this is another soy boy. Maybe he hung out with our with our with with our last man there. How many grains were in his stomach? Ah, uh, we'll get into that in a second. This is the okay. one that's different in terms of stomach contents. Okay, all right. Excited. The hands, like I said, they were unscarred and cared for, and and nails were manicured, which suggests that he was of importance. But and they also suspect he was maybe a, a druid priest. He was. Uh, they determined he was very very healthy. His body shows very little evidence of having done heavy or rough physical activity or labor during his entire lifetime. He had very healthy teeth with no cavities, which is probably the most uncommon thing over 2,000 years ago than all of this. Yeah. Did people brush their teeth then? Did they have like a way to clean their teeth? There had to be some kind of like maintenance, right? Yeah, I would think so. Yeah. Yeah, I would think so. I mean, at, at some point, they, I think every generation figured out if I... If I do something to clean these, they don't fall out of my face. So they had to do something, yeah. Yeah, some good point. Now, aside from the fox, the small fox fur armband, Lindo Man was completely naked, leading scientists to believe that he was possibly a uh, a, a sec a two BC male stripper. Yes, I was I was heading there. Okay, I made that last part up. The male oh. stripper part, I've got to come clean. I've got to come clean. Yeah, maybe it was uh, just a, an ancient days uh, furry. You know what the this guy's laying buck naked for for over two thousand years with nothing but a little fox fur armband up. <laughs> I think I've seen that on TikTok too, though. Lately, I saw that on Magic Mike. I believe that that same <laughs> outfit. Now they did do a, they did do an autopsy and discovered his last meal was a meal of charred bread, which is really sad if you think about it. Like this is my last meal. You fucking burned it, <laughs> bro. Like it would just be like a blank stare looking at the person who like what a trod. You see, it's basically you, charcoal. It's basically what you're gonna be uh, in a thousand. You years. didn't want any meat. I didn't give you any meat because you're vegan. Because you're a priest, you've been drinking all that yogurt for years. So you thought maybe you'd want some, you know, roughage. Just fucking eat it, bro. You're gonna be dead soon. It doesn't even matter. <laughs> Mistletoe was also found in his stomach, uh, which Weird. further actually further amp. Well, it emphasizes the the Druid priest theory because uh, mistletoe was something that they used a lot. It was considered a magical in a Druid society and be drank in order to purify themselves and to ward off evil spirits. Another important aspect of the mistletoe being in his stomach is that it shows that he also likely died in March or April. I was thinking maybe he died because he was just running around trying to kiss people all the time, like, hey, hey, look what's over our heads. And somebody just finally shoved it down his throat. He's like, hey, look what's in your throat. And then they. He's not wearing anything but a little <laughs> armband, just constantly doing that wiener thing. Where you, look what I can do. Check this out. He's just putting, putting, getting too close into people's space with the mistletoe above their heads. Like, look at, uh oh, what's gonna happen? 
Look at what I can't do with this. When he died, Lindo Man was suffering. Now I found this kind of kind of humorous. When he they go in and on and on about how healthy this guy was a walking bill of health for a man of his age over two thousand years ago. Like just mm. a perfect human being for this time, right? Right. When he died, Lindo Man was suffering from slot osteoarthritis and an infestation of whipworm and mawworm. Imagine how <laughs> shitty the times were had to be for this to be considered an ideal bill of health. Well, Earl, you've got osteoarthritis, whipworm, and mawworm, which are both from space. And uh, but you're doing good, man. I got to say, you're really, dude. If I got diagnosed with whipworm or mawworm, I would fucking kill myself. Like, that is how awful that sounds. If somebody that I, if one of my friends told me that they had whipworm or mawworm, I would stop being friends with that person. <laughs> I could just see it like like an ancient dating game. You know, his his feature benefit of dating him is he's like, I will take you, I will take you fishing, and I've already got the worms. <laughs> and she's like, that's. Ooh, that's all. We just have to. They, they just crawl out of my ass, and we got to catch them as they come out. And just what is? Have you ever heard of either one of those? No. Apparently, they died with him. Doesn't that sound awful? Oh, it sounds terrible. Yeah. Now I've got to read the injuries word for word. This man really went through it. Um, he had a time. Here's the injuries, and I hate reading stuff. I like to put stuff in my own words, but there's a lot here, man. Injuries included a V-shaped 1.4-inch cut on top of his head, a possible laceration at the back of the head, ligature marks on the neck where a sinew cord was found, a possible wound on the right side of the neck, a possible stab wound in the upper right chest, a broken neck, a fractured rib, zero audiography revealed that the blow on top of the head that caused the V-shaped cut was caused by a relatively blunt object, it had fractured the skull and driven fragments into the brain. Ooh. Swelling along the edges of the wound indicated that Lindo Man had lived after being struck. The blow, possibly from an axe, would have caused unconsciousness, but Lindo Man could have survived for several hours afterwards. The ligature marks on the neck were caused by the tightening of the sinew cord found around his neck, possibly a garrote or necklace. Death was extremely violent and ritualistic. Wow. This guy really, really had less fun with his death. That's terrible. That's a lot. That's a that's a complex. That seems like it's kind of like, oh, what else could we do to him? Uh, I don't know. You got any triangle-shaped things we could, you know, put into his brain? There's a lot going on there. He's still snoring, It's like man. they just got bored. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. let's hit this body with stuff. Yeah, that, well, it kind of seems like this happens, you know, someone will get, like, bludgeoned, and they're dead already, but they're, like, breathing and snoring, you know, and it's like that bodily just, you know, response. And so the person that's killing them just keeps doing stuff to them to make them stop, not knowing they're already dead, you know, basically. They've been dead for an hour. Yeah, yeah. the body's just doing what it's doing, winding down, and they're like, I don't know, poke it again. Yeah. I listened to this video the other day. Of this, uh, what do they call the people that do the windsuits, the gliders that jump out, jump off of mountains? Yeah, unmarried the, is what they call those people, unmarried. <laughs> yeah. 
organ donors. That's what they call them. Um, (laughs) um, He had been recording. He was live streaming doing that by himself. He didn't have anybody with him. And it was the most eerie. And and I've watched – well, you know that I've I've seen about as bad as a video videos as you can possibly imagine. But this was just audio because he had stuck his phone in, in, into the, like the front pocket of his of his wingsuit, and he's going down this mountain, and you can hear the, you know, like the wind, and then you hear oh no no, and then you hear, and then you hear like it sounds like a car crash, but it's his body hitting the ground at 300 miles an hour and then rolling for 200 feet. Yeah. He lived, and, uh, right? It's No, he's dead. That he's guy. very oh, okay. dead. But the reason that this is creepy is because you can hear cows, bells. Oh, the bells. The, I remember <coughs> seeing, yeah. Tink, tink, ka-tink, tink, ka-tink. Yeah. yeah. And it's so eerie and it sounds so beautiful wherever his corpses lay in there. Yeah. And it, and you can hear his body do the the death the, the death throes. You know the yeah. Uh, he's already dead. He's already dead. But it's the, the body releasing the gurgle breathing. What's left? What mm-hmm. it's got left? Yeah. Do they, is that the death rattle? Do they call that the death rattle? I think. Yeah. 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 There's another wingsuit guy named Jeb Corliss, and he survived uh, his impact. Uh, like his leg hit. Uh, outcrop of rock as he passed by and he he survived uh you might have seen it like you remember that song that was like sail oh yeah 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 it was that that song got really popular because it was like the first wingsuit video with gopros all over his head he's wearing the all black wingsuit that guy anyway yeah he got injured doing the same thing and he's still doing it anyway good stuff Good stuff, huh? Really wish I had a penny fact right now. <laughs> Some theories suggest that Lindo Man was uh, used as a scapegoat uh, by his fellow villagers for the woes and unnatural problems within the village. That's why he was sacrificed. He was given the name Pete Marsh by the radiologist who x-rayed the body, so that's fun. Terrible, terrible fun. name. What a joke. <laughs> <laughs> but it's Pete spelled P-E-T-E. Uh, <laughs> those those archaeologists and Pete is spelled P E A T. Ah, so it's like, oh, now they preserved his corpse by freeze drying, and that's how they do all of the uh, bog bodies that they find now is just freeze drying. So like they they take care of them, I guess, like space food. Our final corpse that we're gonna dive into here and pull out of the bog is Cloney Kevin Man. It was found in March of 2003, the most recent find out of all of them. Uh, they, de- they determined he was in his early 20s when he died, and he was discovered between 392 and 201 B.C., which puts his corpse at about 2,300 years old. He was found in Clonycavan County Meath in Ireland. First, this is our first body that we found in Ireland, hmm. um, and I'm Irish. I myself hey. am Irish. Chungus is Irish. I so. did not know that. It was weird. What? I know your first name is The. But, yeah, Operator. But I don't know what Operator is. Maybe Danish? Swedish? Operator. 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 Yeah, I don't know. Danish. I think maybe Danish or Swedish. Where did your family... Did you have a grandfather named The? Yes. Well, Did they get that name? Was that a name that... He was named Thesaurus, but we thought that was a little... You know, we really couldn't. 
we couldn't come up with an alternative name for thesaurus. Yeah, that was really dinosaurs are scary. Yeah, exactly. And I, I didn't want to be like you know intimidating, so I just shortened it and then put a umlaut over the e, softened it up yeah. a little. You know, you got fancy. Yeah. Danish or Swedish fancy. Well, Colony Cabin Man was uh, discovered, you guessed it, by, by, not actually, not by a peat harvester, but a peat harvesting machine. Oh. And it severed the body in half. I can see that. So, so that's, that's kind of cool. The legs and lower arms are, are missing. All they have of, of Colony Cabin Man is the head, neck, arms, and torso. They just, they decided somehow using the miracle of science, that he was only five foot two inches tall, uh, which could relate to why his hairstyle was. They they somehow figured out that his hairstyle he wore his hairstyle spiked, and it was possibly in an effort to make him appear taller. Taller now, how tall you could that that would bring him up to a towering and intimidating five foot four. Yeah, maybe look. <laughs> okay, was there a giant truck in the peat bog next to him? Like you know, one that was lifted, or uh, did he have a monster energy drink tattoo on his arm? Anything like you know, any of those kind of things? Indications that he had punched a lot of walls, or nothing. His last name across his back. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Chaz, which was just man, man, exactly <laughs> the man. <laughs> Cloney Cavan Man. Man was Man. his last name. <laughs> they discovered hair product in his hair, which is super rare for a body that's 2,003 years old, 300 years old. This is for only the wealthiest of people. And it was a hair product made from plant oil and pine resin. Fun thing about the resin located in within, within, within this hair product is it was tested and found to not be from Ireland, but from a tree only grown in Spain and southern France. So the product had to be imported and people 2,300 years ago couldn't afford uh, cosmetic beauty products unless they were extremely, extremely wealthy. So we know for a fact that Cloney Cavan Man was, was high class. He was another soy boy. Why are all these soy boys dying? Yeah, well, they were more likely to, to sacrifice high-status people and people that had um, deformities. Uh-huh. So if you were just like a poor but normal person, you were in the clear. You were, you were good. <laughs> That's good. But if you had been inbred for several generations, you got to go. You could live and, and not have to worry and die at the ripe old age of 33. You know? <laughs> <laughs> oh, the twilight years. <laughs> now, uh, Cloney Cavan Man had crooked teeth. Test revealed that his diet was rich in protein and vegetables in the time leading up to his death, indicating that he may have been killed in the warm summer months. This also adds to the fact that he was wealthy and important because a lot of people didn't get protein in their in their meals. Some believe that he was probably Celtic upper class, Celtic upper class. My mm-hmm. apologies mm-hmm. to my to my Irish, my Irish La Familia <laughs> in Ireland. If you look at this facial reconstruction of Cloney Cavan Man, he kind of looks like a barista. Yeah, I was going to say. Expect him to either ask me if I want uh, calf or decaf, or he's like, no, come on. Okay, this is the proper way you do a squat. Just one of those two. <laughs> this is definitely the guy that comes up to you at the gym and tells you that your form is fucked up. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that guy. no, 100%. That top knot on his hair had just says, says, I know how to do squats better. Or, or this guy could also be the guy that says, and down into downward dog. And namaste. 
Namaste. Yeah, he does look like the guy that tries to use his yoga instruction as a way to get laid. He's like, he's got two things. He's like, I know yoga and I have protein back at my house. His manner of death was strangulation. He was also stabbed and struck on the head three times and on the chest once with an axe. And then he was disemboweled, which is a bit overkill. I'll give that to you. And these were sacrifices. You th- they, they think these were sacrifices. Why? Why so brutal of a sacrifice? So man? that's a good question. That's a good question, and and we're getting ready to answer that in just a minute. Okay. The nose was broken, and he had a large wound from his nose that went from under his nose to under his right eye, which was made also by an axe. The wound on the top of his head, where part of his brains are showing, uh, revealed his skull and uh, showed that the skull was also split by the axe. Now, why the brutality, why the why the viciousness and the overkill, uh, it's possible that he was part of a ritual known as the triple killing of kings, and they saved this for kings who had failed. Oh. So it was you kill them in three different ways. Oh, I see. That's so ah, so they literally. So it's possible you that, three that Coney Cavan man was a king that had that had failed failed his village. I see. Okay. Last but not least, Cloney Cavan's man's nipples were missing. And what do you think the historical – why do you think they did that? Uh, maybe maybe so that he had no memory of his past life? No. Um, I, I, in Ireland, it was tradition this long ago for Irish kings to let his underlings suck upon his nipples. No. Suckle upon his, his teeth. Really? Why? Yes. And they removed they, – they, they suspect – I don't know why, but that's just like – he'd be like, come here, come here, Jester. I want to suck on this king titty. <laughs> and he'd be like, oh, yeah. And he would just like let him like – a, like a little toddler, he would poach his hairy chest out, and the Jester would just <laughs> suck on his tits. His, I am very uncomfortable. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> oh. So maybe they they suspect maybe they cut his nipples off, so nobody would be tempted to wade out into the bog and suck on his tits one last time. <laughs> oh gosh, I can see that being very tempting, especially after all the you know wounds he had infl- gotten. You know, I'd go out there and do that, but I'm afraid I'd get brains on my tunic. Now, and, and that's it. That's it for for Bog Body Sophia. If listeners like this, if you enjoyed this, this could be a series. Honestly, there's so many Bog Bodies that we could cover. Um, yeah, we could do one of these every 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 couple months. We can do an episode on Bog Bodies. If people enjoy this, just let us know. Uh, and uh, and I guess that's it. Oh, hold on, that's not it. Oh, you remember that story that I that I opened up with with on Bog Bodies about the. Uh, the the man that that killed his wife yeah 23 year old murder discovery yeah and then they found her body it had been perfectly preserved in the in the peat bog and then he confessed to his to her murder yes right yeah there's a detail about that that i that i forgot i forgot about oh um so what's the detail actually we're gonna let jack close this episode up oh Okay, so we're, we're gonna say our we're gonna say our goodbyes, and then we're gonna hand this off to Jack and let him take us home. Okay, well, Dan, it's been good talking to you. Uh, I will just patch Jack through now after we hang up, and 
I'll probably just... I'll call you tomorrow. That sounds good, man. I'll talk to you then. Okay. Hugs. Oh. What? Some of you will have spent this episode frustrated, upset, disappointed in Kent, thinking he neglected the research. Like the gimp in his woodshed, he's surely liberating now and zipping as a... As I speak here, plot twist, I'm the gimp. That's a good boy, Kent Chungus. Let Mr. Luna finish him for you while you finish Mr. Luna. <laughs> I feel sick uh, with this bit. I don't, I don't know how ball busting works, I apologize. Uh, but damn, Kent Chungus sure does. <laughs> oh, wait, that's, that's the operator. A little more trimmer in the mouth, that's real nice. Super intense. <laughs> Uh, you're frustrated because you know the full story of Peter Rainbart. His actual name was Peter Rainbird. Rainbart was an adjustment made to suit Peter's facade. A facade that even today works to make some believe the man is to be pitied. That if he'd been born a couple decades later, he never would have killed his new wife. That bitch Malika that he'd have had no reason to hide his homosexuality and therefore wouldn't have lashed out once Malika had discovered it. Upon returning home one day, a year into their marriage, and finding Peter in some obvious position with another man that betrayed his secret. When she'd attempted to extort him, asking for gobs of money, pampered trips he could provide through his executive position within British Airways, Peter had become enraged and killed Malika, set her body on fire up back at their country estate, in a pyre he was forced to put out when a neighbor called over to ask what the horrible smell was. A smell that had traversed Lindau Bog and made its way to nosy nostrils. Peter then chopped up the body and buried it in the bog somewhere behind the gardens and the rest would have been history if it hadn't been for the discovery in May of 83, a Friday, the 13th in fact, and an incredibly unlucky day for Peter Rainbird. Before I get into just how unlucky Peter was, I must dispel the idea that Pete and his secret in the bog, that uh, Pete's Pete Bog, held a justifiably murdered woman, a bitch who'd gotten what she'd had coming. This is, of course, ridiculous, but also disingenuous. You see, in Peter Rainbird, we have more than just a victim of the times, a man doling out karma, it's deeper, this case. It's not entirely what meets the naked eye, so please, give me a minute to dig the rest of this story up, lay it out, let it breathe a bit. It's a good one. It deserves it. Following his wife's disappearance, Peter was suspected of having done something sinister, but nothing could be proven. So authorities kept a close eye on the eccentric bachelor who they likely suspected of being a homosexual, a most heinous crime of the time. Peter, no longer committed to keeping up appearances with that itchy beard Malika, opened a pub with his friend Paul Corrigan, and together the two soon gave police a real reason to worry. They kidnapped a 15-year-old one evening, a boy who'd been searching the streets around the pub for his sister, and tied him up somewhere secretive in the establishment where they took turns raping the kid, servicing themselves between servicing customers. Why they let the boy go is a mystery, 
Peter was, after all, already a killer, and Paul Corrigan, you'll find, wasn't squeamish about violence himself. In fact, after the two were inevitably arrested for the rape and given seven years in prison apiece, Paul served four, then went on to enlist the services of a 16-year-old boy and luring a 13-year-old boy into his car, a kid who'd been heading home through a park after school, a kid named John Haddon who ended up raped, stabbed to death, and dumped by a road 30 miles from the brazen abduction. The 16-year-old, the bait, his name was Derek, immediately crumbled and admitted to his part in the little boy's savage death. And soon authorities arrested Peter Rainbird's old pal on the grounds of an orphanage, where he was hiding out, like a bad dog, eyeballing the dinner table after having ripped open the garbage. Paul Corrigan was given a life sentence, and maybe in exchange for a pack of cigarettes, he informed authorities that Peter Rainbird had admitted to him, maybe over a smoke after tag-teaming a boy in their pub, to having killed his wife Malika. So, this is why police were so quick to question Peter when the skull was uncovered in the bog. And this, this information that they knew from his old pal that he was guilty, was part of the reason Peter confessed so quickly when he was presented with the question as to why there was a head in the bog behind his estate. And this is where karma truly makes an appearance, where the spirit of Malika de Fernandez gets to rest, where the unnamed victims of Peter Rainbird or Rheinbird are gifted something resembling revenge. The head that was found in Pete's bog after being sent for carbon testing was deemed to have been over 1,500 years old. Peter tried to take back his confession at this news, but it was no use. He would die in prison. The body of his murdered wife to this day never recovered. An incredible story. And I like to think that that forgotten soul from so long ago received some kind of redemption for whatever, whoever, perpetrate, perpetrate, perpetrated, caused their fate. Perhaps a distant rain bird had had something to do with it. If so, talk about the past coming back to haunt you. Zip me up, Bob.